0: Hello and welcome to the BioPsych Advanced Search webinar. In this webinar we're going to give you a quick introduction to our structured advanced query page and the searches you can do with that page. This search tool is intended for more advanced users uh, who need a little bit more than our basic and intermediate searches can provide and who are willing to understand a little bit more about how the databases are actually put together. As a refresher, just remember that The quick search is always up here on the right and the other searches are all accessible from the search menu here. So for example I can go to the search menu, see the range of intermediate searches and go here and click on advanced to get to the structured advanced query page. I'll do that now. This is the structured advanced query page. This gives you a structured format to use our Biovelo Advanced Query Language to query the database. Now this doesn't require that you understand the underlying Biovelo language, although there is an option to use that too, but it does again require that you be willing to invest a little time in understanding how Biocyte databases are structured. Before we get into how one actually puts a search in here, I'll point out a couple things about the top of the page we have this button here that switches to the freeform advanced query page I'll click that now and here we have the freeform advanced query page where you can put in queries directly in the biovelo query language now you're gonna to need to invest some time to learn biovelo if you want to but fortunately we have tools that will actually help you look at how your structured queries translate into biovelo queries but we're not actually gonna discuss that in this webinar we're gonna focus on the structured advanced query page so I'll head back now. The next thing on the Structured Advanced Query page is a link to the query documentation. Let's pull that up. The documentation extensively describes how the Structured Advanced Query page works and goes on to describe how to use the BioVelo language on the Freeform Advanced Query page. Just remember this is there. After this webinar, hopefully you'll be able to just start playing with the Structured Advanced Query page, but if you need more assistance, just remember the documentation is always just one click away. As I've mentioned already, you'll need to invest a little time sometimes in understanding how our biopsych databases are put together to be able to successfully ask the questions you want in the Structured Advanced Query page. You may understand the underlying biology, but you may need to read a little bit to understand, for example, that we don't connect enzymes directly to reactions in terms of database objects but have a thing in between called an enzymatic reaction and there's a very good reason for doing that and we touch on it a little bit in some of the other webinars but it's just that kind of thing and you'll discover most of them actually just by inspection as you go through and use the structured advanced query but if you'd like to do a little background reading first remember that we always have this link on the left search bar to our pathway tools software page and this goes to a pathway tools information page that has lots of just little interesting links and discussions about the pathway tool software including things like the pathway tool schema that is to say how do we actually structure things in the database I'll just give you a glance at the schema right now for example this takes a look at how a gene can go on to a bifunctional monomer that carries out two reactions that may both be involved in a pathway And as I mentioned, we have this example of a gene object or frame in our database being linked to the monomer frame, which is linked to the constituent enzymatic reaction frames that then link it to the reaction frames. And so if you do a query that's going to try to walk its way through here, you're going to need to know that there is a here, here. There is an enzymatic reaction in between the reaction and the monomer. And once again, you'll find most of these things by inspection when you're actually playing with the structured advanced query page. And if you're the kind of person who's going to, use the structured advanced query you're probably going to be comfortable with finding these things out and you'll actually be able to start figuring them out just by looking at the drop down menus which we'll see in a moment but if you want to do some background reading it's there so here we are back at the structured advanced query page let's take a quick look at the four steps involved in building a query first We have the query construction component, component 1, here. This is where we're going to say what database we're querying and what we're looking for in it. And right now, it's set to a very simple thing where we're looking in E. coli for compounds. But we can add conditions. So we can keep building on this, which I'm going to show you in a little bit with some of our examples. Now, you'll notice something interesting right away, which is that we actually have the number of instances of the thing you're looking at in the database you're looking at listed here. So this just tells you off the top what pool you're looking in. There are about 1600 instances of compounds in our E. coli K12 database that we're currently set to. And that's useful knowledge. If you're going ahead and setting up one of these queries and you have a subcategory and it tells you you have zero instances, you're already done and you can go back and figure out a different query that may give you what you want. You may notice something else. While I have the mouse over compounds here, look up in the left corner. There's a tooltip up and out of the way where it won't disrupt your work that tells you what that class is. It's the class description. So in this case we see that compounds is a class that describes small molecules that is non-macromolecular chemical compounds and it talks a little bit about what the subclasses might be. And you can get that kind of mouse over when you go over different things like we went down here to the query output and we got another tooltip about what the heck chemical formula is and that brings us to part two of making the query which is choosing your output you choose the query but we don't define the exact output for you and based on the kind of objects you're querying against in the database there's all sorts of things that you can churn out as the output you know you may want to run a query for proteins but you may want the output to be calculated molecular weights or the names plus the molecular weights or many other things. If you're searching for something where you're going to get a list of object A, your output can be any combination of the traits that object A can have. So keep that in mind. Then down at three we have our select query output format. The default setting here is HTML where it makes a nice little table for you. But you also have the option of tab delimited text which of course can be useful for exporting, importing, Transferring to an Excel file using in some other way. Then at the bottom we have the Submit Query and Reset Query button and you're gonna do this fourth. You're gonna submit the query and find out what you want to do. So that's the basic structure of the page. Pretty straightforward right? Enter your query, choose your output, select a format, submit. Let's try a couple of examples. For our first example we're gonna do something straightforward And that's generate a list of genes in E. coli that contain TRP in their name. You know, where we might be suspicious that they have something to do with tryptophan. Or that someone thought they did, anyway. We want the output to contain the gene names and the gene product names. Okay, so let's select our database. When we click on this, we get a drop-down menu that has all the databases that are available on Biopsych right now. We're going to stick with K12 then we need to select what we're searching in. Right now it's set to compounds but we actually want to search the class of genes and you will see something interesting right away which is genes is part of polymer segments and we look up and say okay a polymer is you know DNA or an amino acid chain okay it's pretty global then we have things called all genes genes phantom genes pseudogenes cryptic genes interrupted genes I'm not gonna spend the time to mouse over each one right now but going into them will explain what's going on with each category for now let's go over all genes which encompasses all the things below it and you can actually see how the indentation increases to show where things are in the hierarchy but I'll pick all genes and you may notice something if you're watching very carefully when I changed to all genes the query output changed around a little bit because we have different outputs available if we're looking at genes instead of looking at compounds in the database. And once again, you can see that we have 4585 instances of the type of thing we're looking in. In this case, the stuff that's in the all genes category. Pretty straightforward. Down here in the output specification, we have name. That's going to be these gene names and we have product and fortunately that's what we were interested anyway so we'll leave it there we can add columns which i'll get into a little bit later from here i'm going to bounce back up and actually make the query that we want to make right now if i were to just click submit i would get a list of all genes and all their products interesting and notice that we actually have fewer products available than we have names of course because we chose all genes which includes things like pseudogenes that we don't think make a product for, and so there's no product frame in the database. Now to add a qualifier to the search we go up here and click add a condition and this gives us options uh, the default option is to do something involving the name so we're good. Um, we had many other options some that might seem a little esoteric just at a glance until you get used to them um, you can search with all sorts of things and then we have this qualifier here fortunately it's on the one we want also contains the substring but we could require it to be exactly something we could require case sensitivity we could require that there be no value I don't think we would get any results there our genes all have names we can require all sorts of things so we'll keep that and we'll go here and type TRP okay so here's our search we're looking at E. coli among all genes for names that contain trip we're going to output a list of names and the associated product names when available it's going to be formatted in HTML as a table and we're good to go so let's submit so here we are this is our output and before we even talk about the output I want to point something out to you up at the top here is what your query is in Biovelo. As I mentioned, if you want to learn about how to use the freeform query well there you go. This is what your structured query turned into in the underlying query language. So it's nice because you can actually put together structured queries see what they get converted into and then use that as a platform on which to learn more about structuring your own queries and you can actually click on this and it will take you through to the advanced Freeform Advanced Query page where you can edit the query manually yourself. So here is our query results. Uh, We have a single table of 10 rows which in this case means 10 different genes that have trip in the name. A, B, C, D, E, H, L, P, R sorry, no P, (laughs) H, L, R, S, T. And what's neat about this is we already get to see things like okay we have some metabolic genes, we have a leader peptide, we have a random conserved protein that might be interesting to look at, we have TRIP-R, which needs a better name, we have a tRNA synthetase, and we have a tRNA. Nice, huh? Now, the other nice thing of course is that you can click through on any one of these, so if you're thinking, wow, well, what is TRP-R? I can click through on this and it'll actually take me to the appropriate point in the underlying database, where we get to find out, oh, of course, it's this transcriptional repressor. Good to know. Now, you may have noticed while all this was happening that our search results and, of course, our subsequent clickage through the database all got generated in a second window. In my case, I have my browser set to tab out second windows. This is super handy since it means you can just keep launching things from the original window. So I'll close this now. So once again, we chose our database. We chose what we were looking for. We added a condition, in this case, a name that contained some letters. We chose our output, name, and product. We decided to sort by the name. We chose our format, HTML, and we hit Submit. And that's the basic search mechanism. So before we move on and look at another couple of examples, just show you a couple other cool things. These little triangles have a purpose. I can sort the list. And even though I chose name as the initial sort, I can resort by product name, ascending and descending. And This is going to be true for any column in your list. okay so let's take another look at another query now this one is going to be a little bit more complicated it's going to use a repeat operator so for this one let's say that we want to ask about reactions and we want to look for reactions that are catalyzed by isozymes by more than one enzyme um, across the universe of available enzymes and so let's first start by choosing MetaCyc, our big aggregator of metabolic knowledge that'll be our database and as just an interesting random note here, my choosing MetaPsych in the structured advanced query page has not changed my underlying database for all of the uh, top toolbar searches in Biopsych in general. So keep that in mind. If I am in the middle of the search and I think, oh, this, this, this could be done as a quick search and flip up here, you need to change that organism if, if it's not the one that you wanted it to be. Okay, so let's go down here we're looking in MetaPsych 4 click away from that and down reactions there are 7930 instances of reactions in MetaPsych let's go with small molecule reactions that's reactions in which all the participants are small molecules that tooltip on the upper left tells me that 7100 of those give or take click on that and you notice how the page keeps changing every time I change what I'm looking at Again, this is because it knows what's available to us. The underlying searchable and deliverable items keep changing. Now, we already have one condition slot open because the query page is... We didn't reset it between our last query and this one, so it's still set to think that we want to have a condition on this query. We don't just want to return all the small molecule reactions. Let's select an attribute here click on that and go for enzymatic reaction there are 3883 of these now one thing I should mention here is just seeing these numbers as you go along gives you useful information MetaCyc has 7100 small molecule reactions but only 3900 enzymatic reactions meaning that a pretty solid 3100 or so, 3200 or so, of those small molecule reactions in Metacyc currently aren't linked to an enzyme. Now clearly we're trying to catch up with this <laughs> and some of those are actually going to be hypothetical reactions from incompletely known pathways, some of them are going to be spontaneous reactions but just keep in mind as these numbers come up that you're receiving information about what's in the database. This is knowledge right here. You suddenly know oh, okay I'm actually looking at slightly more than half of the total reactions that's good to know so when I see my final results I won't be shocked okay let's pick that okay now we have where for some object in enzymatic reactions da 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 now this is assuming so this has reset and added this thing here because it's assuming that we're actually going to want to look at something about enzymatic reactions now you know what did we get here? Why did we get here? Well before we were looking in genes and we had picked name which is a trait of genes here we're looking in small molecule reactions and we're asking it to explore something about an associated frame type, enzymatic reactions you know that's interesting. In this case we actually don't want it to do that but that's the default where it said okay for enzymatic reaction X is happening and what we really want to ask is about the number of enzymatic reactions so we click the number of objects and again it restructures and you just you'll quickly get used to this dynamic restructuring of the search page in response to what you're doing and so now what we're starting to ask is in MetaPsych how many small molecule reactions are there where the number of enzymatic reactions associated with them is something we could ask for where cases where there's just the one What I was actually interested in is asking for cases where there's more than one. So instead of equal to, we're going to say greater than and we're going to say one. Okay, our query is set. We're looking at Metasyc for small molecule reactions where the number of enzymatic reactions is greater than one. Good enough. Now down below, the first column is still named. This is going to be the name of the reaction. The second column right now is set to balance state, which has to do with the elemental balance of the reaction. It's great that we have this knowledge. Um, It's not what we're caring about right now in this query. Um, So we want to find out something else. And what we might actually want to have as an output is enzymatic reactions, that enzymatic reaction name. And we might want to add additional outputs. You know, we might want to add a column here, which I get by clicking on adding a column. And if we regret adding that column, we can always click on this little X. And notice the tooltip, if you look up to the upper left again, the tooltip is telling you now that clicking on this will remove the column. So I'll do that. And now I go over Add a Column, and I'll add that back because I really did want it. Uh, So what are our options here? We can look at citations. We can look at other things. We have this in-pathway one, and this specifies pathways that a reaction occurs in. Now that's interesting. So let's say we want to look at that. So now, what's our query? We're looking in MetaPsych across all small molecule reactions, all 7,100 of them, where the number of objects of enzymatic reactions for which we only have 3,800 values is greater than 1. When we get that list of small molecule reactions that fit that requirement, we're asking the Structured Advanced Query to give us names, enzymatic reactions, and pathways that those reactions are in we're keeping it with the HTML sortable table which is pretty much what you want to do if you're looking at stuff online Um, tab delimited is by and large useful for when you want to export a bunch of results and you're going to do something yourself with them later and let's submit and here we are results once again we have the Biovelo underlying structure of the search up here at the top you can click through to edit that. Our query gave us 1,449 rows. Uh, The rows are centered on the reactions that we were asking about so what this tells us is of the reactions in MetaPsych that have associated enzymatic reactions 1,449 of them have more than one associated enzymatic reaction that is to say there are different isozymes possibly across different organisms since we're in a multi-organism database catalyzing these same reactions. So for example our very first reaction on the list is 2 lactone. that's hard to say uh, transforming to 2-chlorocystis muconate we have chloromuconate cycloisomerase and 2-chloromuconate cycloisomerase carrying that out So same enzyme, probably in different organisms, and that reaction is not in a pathway. Then we can look down the list a little bit and see we have isomethone plus NADPH to isomenthol plus NADP. And that's carried out by menthol dehydrogenase and neomethyl dehydrogenase. And both of those are part of menthol biosynthesis. Neat. And of course, this list is sortable, just like the other lists are sortable. So if I click this arrow, I have resorted my list. I can click through by and sort by enzymatic reaction. I could also sort through and click by the in-pathway note. And this is nice because I've now grouped things by pathway and I can say, oh, trichlorobenzene degradation, or I should really say 1, 2, 4 trichlorobenzene degradation, because who knows how the other trichlorobenzenes are degraded. Anyway, 1, 2, 4 trichlorobenzene degradation has some different isomers that go into it. So as a reminder, let's go back to the query. We queried in MetaPsych across all the small molecule reactions asking for cases where the number of objects of the enzymatic reaction slot were greater than one. It returned to us that list of small molecule reactions by name because we preferred that along with the associated enzymatic reaction names and their status in pathways and that gave us this table. Okay, pretty straightforward. so let's go back to the structured advanced query page so here we are back at the structured advanced query page back on E. coli and now we're going to try a third query that will use embedded repeat operators now for this one we're going to try to find metabolic pathways in E. coli having more than three reactions and where none of the reactions has the reactant acid aldehyde in it maybe we're prejudiced or maybe we're trying to figure out uh, an interesting metabolic engineering problem perhaps for a piece of software we have to try and solve and we need a pathway that's long enough for the software to operate on but we also know we don't want to monkey around with acetaldehyde pathways for whatever reasons perhaps for the purposes of our assay we just can't okay so we don't even want to have to probe around manually and find this we want a list okay well our query database we will stick with E. coli but remember we could always pick something else We want to look up some pathways. We have 290 pathways in this E. coli database right now. Nice. We need to add a condition here. We don't really care about the name right now. We actually care about the reaction list. Now each pathway has a reaction list slot so we have 290 values to look at now we're not looking at some specific trait contained within reaction list that we could look at specific names here you could actually dredge up pathways that involve specific reactions in this way for example instead we just care about how many items are in the reaction list so we're gonna go up here and we're gonna select the operator the number of objects of should seem familiar and we're gonna go with greater than again and three. Okay. Now that's part of our query, but we need to add the rest. Because remember, we didn't just want pathways with more than three reactions. We also wanted to rule out a certain substrate. Let's go to add a condition. This lets us add atomic conditions, which is to say uh, the conditions aren't particularly contingent on each other, they're just sort of different filters where you'll get some intersection or union of them depending on how you you add them so let's go with and you can see we have the or, or not, and not and there's a description above telling you what these boolean operators mean. Remember tooltips up and on the left always just look up there if you're not sure what's happening and you're over something we'll go with and. Okay now we went with AND, and by default it gave us the name again. The default assumption is you're going to look at names. Um, we're not trying to guide you to look at names, we just had to pick a default, and that was it. Okay, so how do we want to ask the question about whether or not acid is present? Hmm. Well, here's one way to do it. Let's grab reaction list again. Now note what this means. This means that we're looking at reaction list two different times and we're requiring that our query against reaction list be true both times. We're requiring that the reaction list have more than three values and we're requiring now something else about the reaction list. You can query the same trait, the same slot in a frame over and over again to finagle out the data that you want. So let's pick an operator here. It's going to be for no objects and we're going to select an attribute here of reaction list. Let's go down the list here and we pick substrates. And we have name, substring, here we go acetaldehyde. Okay. Maybe a little confusing. Let me explain all that, starting from the top. We're looking in E. coli K12 for pathways for which two different queries are both true. The first one is that the number of objects in the reaction list slot is more than three. This pathway, to make it through our search here, has to have more than three reactions in it. The second is that none of the objects in the reaction list can have a substrate with the name containing acid aldehyde okay so you can see you kinda need to slow down and stare at these every so often but it makes a lot of sense once you think about what you're asking and in this case It may look like a big gemish of stuff, but you're really just asking two very straightforward queries against, in this case, the same trait on pathways and requiring that they both meet certain rules. And so this is going to tell us if a pathway has more than three reactions and none of those reactions name acetaldehyde as substrates, then we're good. They pass. They'll be on our answer list. So what kind of answer list do we want? Let's go down and take a look. the default here is to give us the pathway name and to give us the reaction list and really we could do all sorts of things here Um, since this was a very theoretical example you know it's hard to say what we're actually interested in you know are we interested in the in pathway trait are we interested in you kinda have to look through and see what these things refer to you know are we interested in taxonomic range are we interested in things that contain hypothetical reactions now that's interesting only six of these contain hypotheticals let's let's go with that you know so we're going to see names and hypothetical reactions if they're present so one more time right before we hit uh, submit we're looking in E. coli k12 for pathways where two things are true one the number of objects in the reaction list is more than three and two that no objects in the reaction list have substrates with the name containing acid aldehyde okay let's submit and here we are search results 109 rows so in E. coli as represented in our E. coli database there are 109 pathways that both contain more then three reactions and do not do anything at all with acetaldehyde or acid aldehyde derivatives that would have that in the name. Pretty straightforward, right? Nice. And in our output here we have additional information. Six of those pathways contained hypothetical reactions and we could actually sort by those hypothetical reactions, of course. There we go. Now if we were about to embark on some computational biology thing where we tried to predict enzymes to carry out these hypothetical reactions would be in a good place and this is kinda nice so you can do queries you can specifically filter down to the subsets of things you want to look at you can stack multiple searches on each other and one of the great things about this is say this gave you hundred nine pathways like it did and you thought well shoot I thought that would give me thirty pathways I for sure thought I was filtering down to a smaller group this is more than I want to look at well you go back to the query page and you can just add traits maybe you want to change something around make it more than 4 maybe you want to rule out another substrate maybe you want to do something else entirely you can keep adding conditions and you notice this is kind of nested we can add conditions here also you know instead of adding a whole extra search about substrates we could just add another substrate condition here to say you know no objects where substrates are acid acetaldehyde or something else, you know. We could go with an or, add another name, add a substring, add, who knows, glucose. I don't know if this will actually do anything. And we could run that query again. In fact, let's try running that query again. And here we are. We ran the query again. 98 rows. So we cut out 11 pathways by ruling out glucose as a substrate. And you can see you can keep layering searches on here. You can focus down on what you're trying to find. And I'm kind of a junkie for searches like that where you can focus in and get specific things. Um, It's very useful once you get going with it and just out of curiosity let's sort by hypothetical reactions again and we can see we didn't lose any of our hypothetical reactions when we ruled out glucose if I had a better memory I would know that already based on what's here but I wasn't really paying attention and <laughs> um, this is one of the nice things you can just go through keep layering on queries and you'll notice if you just take a quick look up here our results keep getting tabbed out here so we don't have to lose one set of query results to get another and we can go back and forth between them and compare. Okay, so now we've been focusing on these searches that add additional operators, that you know look around a lot, that let us keep stacking uh, query requirements to focus down, but one of the very powerful features of the Structured Advanced Query is the ability to look at more than one database. So let's take a look at that now. so here we are back one last time in this webinar on the Structured Advanced Query page and we're gonna take a look at how you query across multiple databases now this is the kind of query that requires the most playing around and tinkering to really figure out how to do what you want but it also has a lot of value because it means that you can take a set of results from one database and feed them into another so say for example that we had started out looking in MetaPsych for Proteins where the name contained the word methyl citrate. Let's say that was our query. Let's just kill the second column here. Let's submit that. Okay, so here are our results from that pretty simple look. We have seven proteins in Metacyc that mention methyl citrate in the name. Three synthases, three dehydratases, one lyase. Good to know. But what if we were curious about how many of those are from EcoSyc and we don't really feel like clicking through on each one and seeing if it's present in E. coli? Well, we can do something about that. Going back to this same query page that we had before let's add an additional operation. Let's add a search component. So we can leave our original query alone the way it was and we click on this thing and click combine each previous result with the following results. Now what this means is the results from this search instead of being fed out you automatically will be fed into another search where we pick another database if we want. So let's pick E. coli K12 and we look for something So in this case, we're going to look in E. coli K12 for, again, proteins. And we need to go over here, add a condition. Now before I do this, notice something here. Now that we've added a second query, we have variable names here, Z1, Z2. What this means is the output of this query gets called Z1, and the output of this query gets called Z2. This matters for displaying the results, but it also matters, as you'll see in a moment, for feeding queries into following queries. So let's add a condition here. Let's say we're, that we're going to look in E coli K12 for proteins where the name of these proteins, and these are Z2, remember uh, is equal to is equal to what? Well, let's switch to variable entry, and now we can have it be equal to the name of Z1. Makes sense, right? So let's look for proteins where this is true in metacyc, and let's take that subset and look for proteins in E. coli where the name of the E. coli protein matches the name of the metacyc protein. Nice, right? then we can go down to the bottom here and we can say well let me see the Z2's, the E. coli proteins in this column here and let me see the Z1 names in the right side column and we'll sort by the left. Okay, quick refresher reminder, what are we looking at here? We are querying MetaPsych for proteins where the name contains the substring methyl citrate. That was our initial query. We're feeding those results into another query. In the next query we take k 12 and we query it for proteins where the name of those proteins is equal to the names of those Z1 proteins, the output of the first query. Query feeds into query and out to the result. Let's submit. And here we are in our results. From our initial seven that the first query gave us for Metasyc, we're down to four that are present in Ecosyc as well. And of course, this means there are three of those in Metasyc that are not present in Ecosyc. Interesting, right? And this is a super basic example of how you can go back and forth and kind of shove data between databases. But it, it's a really handy feature. It's something that the advanced uh, query page here gives you, and you can actually just keep. You can actually keep stacking stuff up through multiple databases this is open-ended it'll be a little slower each time you do that it'll take longer because it's going through each database but it does mean that you can ask queries about the intersection of many databases you know you could potentially if you felt like it you know go across about four different databases and see what their intersection of say a certain kind of metabolic reaction is Um, this is all possible using the structured advanced query page with that in mind we're gonna go back to the default structured advanced query page one more time and just make sure we we have a good understanding of what's going on so let's do that okay so one more time the structured advanced query page you get to it from the search menu under advanced up at the top you can switch to the freeform advanced query page if you're feeling adventurous. We have the advanced query documentation. You do a four step process where you design your query up here in our expanding query design area where you can add conditions and add additional search components and search across multiple databases. Then you select your output and you can add columns and remove columns and build up the kind of output you want, which will generate a sorted table or sortable table or a tab delimited file which you'll pick down here when you select query output and down for you'll submit a query and as always if you have an issue you can click on the report errors or provide feedback button let us know you know if you have something you're trying to query and it's not working out maybe there's a bug maybe it's something about how the database is put together that you're not familiar with yet and we can help you out we're excited about helping people out with designing queries, figuring out how to get what they need out of the BioSite collection of databases. So hopefully this has given you a good stepping stone to go from an intermediate user to an advanced user, uh, to really play with the structured advanced query page, and maybe even to branch out into the freeform BioVelo query. Thanks for watching, and I hope you'll come back for our next webinar.